1: Enjoy the episode. You Serbian professional basketball coach, Alexander Djikic here, who has coached Serbian youth national levels and teams that competed in the Euro Cup and the EuroLeague and also doing a podcast show called Block by Block available on YouTube right now. And uh, coach, cannot thank you enough for joining us.
2: Thanks for the invitation, Chris. Actually, uh, I'm not sure that you know what you're doing, <laughs> having me on your podcast, but let's 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 do it okay
1: Well this is the part, this is the part that coaches uh, I've had such a good time getting to know you uh, just over the last few days getting ready for this and you can see the personality already but coach, let's start with this one because uh, you know we, we talked about this briefly but I'd love to hear your thoughts more on this because I agree that there is a disconnect between broadcaster fans and coaches a little bit about the game. so can you talk about this gap?
2: Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I I feel that uh, there is a huge gap between the coaches and, uh, you know, like, uh, let's call it, let's use the term average fan, and then somewhere between those two groups are media or call it TV commentators, or broadcasters or call it as you like, doesn't matter. And uh, one of the reasons that I started my own podcast is I'm not trying to fill that gap with the simple, simple examples of uh, common basketball knowledge. But what is so simple and ordinary for us basketball people, we need to understand that fans probably are not aware of it or they don't have knowledge about it. And, you know, just on simple examples and talking a lot about, you know, um, basketball as a sport that we like, And, uh, you know, we are trying to educate a little bit. And it's I, I really don't want to sound some, you know, cocky or something like that. There's a need, you know, to fill that gap because, you know, this is the sport that all of us like. So why not? Why not? I mean, I'm sure that some fans really want to learn a little bit about it or at least check their own opinions about basketball, about their favorite teams, coaches,
0: players, whatever. Well, the challenge is a little
1: bit is that, uh, you know, broadcasters or media form the narrative that fans buy into. And often that is the wrong narrative, right? From the perspective of a coach. And uh, that's something that kind of we as coaches with this medium of the podcast that I have, or you have, or even some of our, you know, ability to be able to share on social media that we can kind of bring this gap closer Together, so that fans appreciate and understand a little bit more of the coach's perspective.
2: Yeah, they. Need, I, I believe that they should. They should. We have to give them a chance to to learn a little bit, so they can understand better. Okay, and uh, obviously, I don't know how it is overseas, and but over here, back home, or uh, all across the Europe, it's almost like uh, every fan is a coach. Okay. And of course, they have a right to be like that. You know, I understand the passion, I understand the energy, I understand, you know, ups and downs. They're feeling with, with their teams doing good or bad. But still, why why not? You know, trying to put those two uh, groups a little bit closer, in order for them to, you know, learn about the game. And of course, I believe we can learn from them too. Why not?
1: Well, and I agree. And and you're right. I mean, if they're going to be coaches anyways, let's educate them and help them be better coaches. (laughs) Is part of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I I agree with that, like hundred percent. I agree with that.
1: And that's what we're both trying to bring home: is the why.
2: Yeah. The thing is, and we were talking about it. There are tons and tons and tons of edited clips all over the. Internet, where you know other coaches, or I call that upgraded fans, are you know cutting clips, editing them, you know, creating playbooks, all that. And for me, honestly, it is actually showing everybody else what some coach, team, or player are doing, but not necessarily explaining why they're doing that when, and how, okay? And I believe those three questions are a little bit more important than what.
1: What I've tried to do consciously with my clips is to be able to put in information that explains something that's happening, the subtleties. And that's really what I think coaches are trying to get across a little bit is the subtleties of offense or defense or decisions to be able so, to share, right? And,
2: and then there is another thing, you know, you will not find too many situations where i'm using like hey this is the my way this is the only way i don't believe in a one way or best way or only way or you understand me because it's like different scenarios different outcomes and that's why i don't believe in a copy paste kind of uh, learning about uh, basketball or anything else in life i understand in expanding the knowledge and I believe one of the biggest coaches sin is to stop expanding the knowledge.
1: Well, and we're going to get into that specific okay. point, okay. but let's start, coach. Let's go start with something that I, I think was really cool that you shared with me. And uh, the phrasing is economy of coaching. Can you tell yes. us what you mean by the economy of coaching?
2: What it means is it's just the extension of that old saying, plan the work work the plan you heard that before yes and then for some reason all of us coaches we know it and most of us are working on those plans and we are really trying to you know follow them but not necessarily the way that it's the most efficient way and i'm i'm you know i started using that term economy of coaching and actually just to put it in simple words it's how to coach teach, lead, help your team and your players in the most efficient way. I'm I'm trying not to do absolutely anything or as little as possible, what's not connected to the game.
1: Yeah, so you're trying to develop efficiencies within your coaching and a big part of that is for you as a coach, circling back to what we've already talked about, to you knowing your why. Why are you doing something? You're not just doing it because somebody else did it. You're doing it because it helps your team win and it helps your players develop.
2: Yeah. And then there is another thing. I, I really believe that one of the biggest challenges for every coach is proper evaluation of the team he's working with. That's why I'm not a crazy follower of tendencies and, or uh, modern things in basketball. Because if I cannot use them with my players. I'm not sure that I will spend time working. In other words, I'm trying to evaluate my players. I'm trying to figure out what they can do, what they cannot do. And like every other coach, I'm trying to maximize their potentials and I'm trying to hide their minuses. I will not use something that it's working for other team or other coach if i don't have a personnel because listen i can draw whatever i want i'm just giving you example i can draw whatever i want on the coaching board if i don't have a guys who can do it okay simply my knowledge is useless and expanding the knowledge means understanding that there is a crazy number options Whatever it is, call it as you like, techniques, methods you can use in order to make your players work as a team. And while they are working as a team, meaning working with each other, for each other, at the same time becoming better players. On a pro level, then there is another dimension. There is always a thing you have to be successful, meaning you have to win
1: enough. So for me, I just wanted to add some support to what you're saying like it's even to the point that i've had the most efficient inbound play from the year before not work the same the next year because one player is different right like
0: that's how specific it can get yeah absolutely. Play or, or,
2: or, th- or things like that i i believe that there is absolutely no reason for some player to work on a proper footwork Using a pick and roll, learning how to shoot, how to stop, to pass, to read, blah, blah, blah. If I'm not going to give it to him in the game, I don't want to prepare him for the six seasons from now. Because the goal of every season is not to be fired.
1: So talk to me then about the youth level focus then. If you're talking about youth level, are you approaching that a little bit differently? Because again, you're talking about potentially that player six years from now. Whereas the Mm -hmm. pro level, I get it. We're talking about right now. How much would change the youth level for you?
2: Yeah, but you need to understand, youth level, you can have younger players in your senior team here. But when we are talking about the young guys, I believe that it's very important to understand how you want your player to look or to play basketball after you finish with him. I, I think it's very important to teach basketball that that player is gonna play. I believe that you have to prepare players for the senior level from the start. And I believe that should be the same kind of approach in a junior junior programs in Europe or NCAA. What I'm trying to say is this, if I know what skills player gotta have on the level, on a high level, I should, Work with him, preparing him for that level. And that's one of the that's a part of that economy of coaching. I will not necessarily teach him a dozen way of creating his own shot in an ISO situation. I will find a go-to move, a counter, and things like that. I believe that players that it's our job to teach them the essence of basketball the essence of basketball so they can play for different coaches after they finish with you it should be one of the goals for the for the guys working with the younger younger players you should prepare them to play basketball on the highest possible level so now we are talking about a basic package of understanding movement without a ball understanding initiative understanding you know what discipline is what responsibility is understanding the importance of taking care of your body and understanding that you cannot play the highest level of basketball without being a good athlete then understanding you know what kind of techniques skills you gotta have in order to play on a high level shooting is very important okay so how come for 30 years systematically we're not working on, uh, on a range and still we are talking about the guys with a, the with a, with a range as uh, Lillard have or Steph Curry or players like that. We are talking about them as uh, some kind of miracles. Why we are not working on a range, for example. Mm-hmm. I believe it's, it's, uh, it's about coaches too, for example. I'm just saying. Yeah. How come we are celebrating the good pass? Chris, we are celebrating when somebody is a good passer. Am I right?
0: <laughs> Football is in full effect, with many teams starting their stuff early. The NBA finals are here, and the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And that should be normal, is your point?
2: Well, like, that we, be... we started. We yeah. started using the term extra pass. Yeah. Excuse me. What what is extra pass means? Like, if somebody's open something that should be like a normal.
1: I agree with a lot of that is that basically you're saying that we I'm interested in parts. Yeah. That we've started to real. celebrate things that should be normal. Right. Yeah. And we've tra- started to treat them as these extraordinary things. And, and I agree. Coaches tend to do that. Like we tend to over celebrate hard work. Well, isn't hard work something that should just be the norm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like hard work should be the norm. Like these yeah, types of, course, of things. Like, yeah. hustle, hustle becomes a skill.
2: Mm -hmm. hustle became a skill right oh he's a hard worker he's a warrior on a on the floor he's a hustler yeah and all of a sudden that's a skill which i understand of course because not everybody is doing that so we should ask ourselves
1: how come we are selecting players who don't want to do things like that let's get into the player development aspect and maybe okay give, give me some of your ideas or your list of uh, a few things that you feel are undervalued in player development
2: uh spacing and movement without a ball movement to get yourself open to put yourself in a position to score and move without
0: a ball so you can help your teammate to be in a better position to score so talk to me then about how we should be developing it. Cause I think you and I kind of see this
1: similarly as it's really hard to develop spacing and movement without the ball when you're doing a one on 0 workout in player development.
2: Well, simply you're giving them limits because like, even when you're doing one on 0 for example, or 2 on o okay, you're giving, you're describing them what you want them to do. And all of all of, you know, all that time, you should have a big picture in your mind. Your players not necessarily have to know in that moment what they are working on, what they are building. But sooner or later, you will have to show them a big picture. How much time, you know, during the month or season, whatever, of course, you can can count it. You spend doing things not necessarily connected to what you want to do during the practice with the team. Yeah, we so, waste time on
1: a lot of things that don't actually happen. Yeah. And
2: when you when you when you do the math, it's amazing.
1: You talked about spacing and moving without yeah. the ball as something that are undervalued. Tell me mm-hmm. something that is maybe overvalued in player development, something we spend too much time on and not enough time obviously on the spacing and moving without the ball.
2: I believe that shooting should be as game like as possible, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of drills you want to use. I believe that you got to have different types of shots every time you work on your shooting. Um, Not really technique, whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, I'm talking about different angles. I'm talking about on a move. I'm talking about shooting off a dribble. I'm talking about after handoffs, coming off screens, those kind of things. And if you have that as a part of your team work, when you say shooting, it's not like one guy shooting twenty shots, the other one rebounding for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm
2: talking about team on the move kind of type of shooting drills. That's what I like at least. And if you're using a lot of a lot of pick and roll in your offensive system, I believe you should practice that a lot. Okay. So uh, instead, your point guards or primary ball handlers shooting too much spot up shots that they really don't have during the game, you know, just practice what they are doing.
1: Well, the game teaches us what we should be teaching them to a certain extent, right? What they're doing in the game and what they're successful with in the game teaches us a little bit more about what we should be spending more time on helping them develop. And you mentioned this about dribbling. Basically, you need an attack and you need a counter. Right, and that's what you're talking about with dribbling. We don't need a thousand dribbling moves. We need something that works for that player.
2: Well, to the, you know, I believe that after, after finishing your basic package, basic package is, you know, having the basic skills like uh, movement without the ball, shooting, you know, dribbling or ball handling, um, you know, and obviously, you know, defense, rebounding. But after you feel comfortable with your dribble, with your dribbling. Okay, not necessarily every player should be like uh, able to beat his man in a one-on-one situation. Okay, because uh, yes, in a perfect world we are looking for those type of guys, and uh, but in a real world, obviously we at least I'm not having those type of teams all the time, and I I think that most of our colleagues will will agree on that. But, for example, I I like all my players to know how to attack and be efficient when attacking closeouts, which I believe it's a different type of skill.
1: Another thing that I heard you say, which I really love this term, and I want you to explain it a little bit more to coaches, is you've talked about limiting outlet options to drivers. Can you talk about that? And I think it was a reference to I posted about the Nash dribble and taking outlet options to drivers. But can you expand on that? Because I think that's a great concept for coaches.
2: Yes, we were talking. You and me were talking about uh, you call it Nash dribble, and the, the way uh, teams um, are covering them. Uh, obviously, different coaches, different different schemes. But the uh, the one thing is that's connected to to one of the one of the first principle of defense that I'm trying to teach my guys. I'm trying to clear to clarify for them what is amount of pressure on the ball i want them to have as i said i said it earlier while we were talking i don't want them i don't want them to initiate the offense because you know back in the days if you have like a great uh uh, shot blocker and the guy who can control the paint it's almost like they're pushing you know players sometimes they like to push the ball you know, to that guy, but that's putting too much pressure on, 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 on bigs. Usually they're bigs. And for example, when we are talking about limiting the outlets, I'm, I'm thinking about it. It is very important to explain your guys. What is a ball side? What is a help side? What kind of help you want them to give from the first pass, meaning the first line of the defense, what kind of uh, responsibility is literally on the guy with the ball? What kind of closeout techniques you want to use? And, for example, all those things are, I, I also call them automatics. I mentioned that word uh, in a, in a, when we were talking about the offense. For example, in early offense, when I pass through the low post, what I want to do? Automatically, I want to do this, this, and this, and this. So in defense, on the first pass, this is how we are helping. This is the amount of the help we are doing. So the, all of them, they have to be, you know, literally on the same page. And that's another part when I'm really promoting that five guys, one idea. And I'm really pushing it because I every year, every season, I hear that, but coach, this works for me. And again, I'm repeating that, not necessarily what's good for you, it's good for us. And, you know, players, if they are understanding, if they understand the importance of teamwork and if they're understanding that, you know, working with each other, for each other is a foundation of team success, then they, are, they, they will understand, you know, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish. But just to call about, uh, just to s- say something about that, you know, specifically about the Nash, about that Nash move, Nash dribble, or
1: how you call it, Nash move, Nash dribble. It's when Steve Nash used to do it, so I think it got yeah, named after him. And, yeah, dribble under dribble the basket. Alive, yeah, 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 keep the dribble alive. Well, it's
2: yeah. I don't I don't want players to put themselves in a position when they're not actually changing the play. Meaning they are really close on the ball. Meaning they can be aggressive. They can you know cover. They can limit the passing lanes. They can work on the deflections. You know, just changing the. the the next play of the ball handler. And I don't want them to be in the middle. Like, either you're going to be on your guy, uh, and you're using the term limiting outlet passes, or you're going to go all the way, put the maximum pressure, almost like trapping, on the ball with the guy on the ball and the guy coming for help. And then you got to have a third man in rotation, then everybody else have to scramble and cover the next passes but sometimes when we are covering you know the dribbler the guy who is attacking and not necessarily in aggressive mode meaning that he really wants to stretch he really wants to stretch the big guy in the defense or using the rule for that we have for example like we are doing the late switch or automatic switch once the balls gets into the paint and now they're keeping dribble live stretching the big once we have a guy a big guy clearly on the ball, okay? We are trying to play. We, we like to keep him on the ball. We are not giving them the outlets because the danger of outlets is, you know, it's, 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 you know, more than one. First of all, you can find open shooters, corners on 45s. Even if they are, you know, closing out on those guys on time, then if you pass and you keep on moving, then there is another defensive action, you know, needed. Uh, so it, it requires a high level of communication, you know, uh, of your defensive players. Meaning who will follow the guy who passed the ball, the ball, the primary ball handler doing the Nash move. If he passes to the corner and he keeps on moving, who will follow him? You know, in a perfect world they should switch back, but in a real world most of the time big men should stay with that guy on the ball which is a, which creates another problems or mismatch situations but all of it it's a part of the scramble you know in a defense and that's also another thing we don't talk about this i just want to mention it. you know scramble defense is also a very important part of every successful team you know because you don't control everything that what is going on on the floor absolutely so you have to prepare your your uh, your team for those kind of those kind of um, situations where they have to follow their instincts, when they have to, if they are able to, to predict what's going on, you know, to read a little bit of the offense. It's the same thing, and you know, as offense, we always use that read and react. It's the same approach in defense, I believe,
0: it could be used. Football is in full effect, with many teams starting their stuff early. The NBA Finals are here, and the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Listen up, fellows, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. The Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped weed whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ARMCHAIR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair what are you waiting for go whack your weed thank you manscape for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice now back to the podcast well and the way the phrasing that i used to use for this was was basically called no man's land where a player would get stuck between not helping and not recovering so it's kind absolutely. of like, it's a pointless place to be in. And, and, and again, I, look, I'm sure it's coached. So I'm sure this is not, you know, it's not necessarily coaches causing this, but you still see players doing this at all levels. Oh, absolutely. They just get because, stuck in this area.
2: Because they're mixing up unnecessary help with initiative, with the responsibility. I say, hey coach, you said you stop him. Yeah, but <laughs> if there is nothing there to stop, You know, like if you see your teammate have it under control, if the angle of drive is not, you know, uh, aggressive, why you are giving them the outlets. And especially nowadays with all these, you know, good shooters and all that, you know, giving them a spot up, uh, pass on a target kind of shot. it's, It's a gift. And I'm not not necessarily. I'm not. I'm not doing that. And then there's some other things about defense. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even. It's it's a little bit close to what uh, people call a pack, but it's like a hybrid between a pack defense and and the next defense. You know what next defense is? It's very popular
1: in absolutely. In, in, yeah, absolutely. Europe.
2: And I'm using some kind of hybrid between that. It's you know more of the angles and using a uh, using you know the the length and the wingspan and all that and more of positioning and recover than help and recover you you know yeah. like we really we really you know it's almost it's a little bit different than back but it i believe it's really doesn't it's not important how you call it
1: you know, well, but but this is great, and I'm glad we're talking about this because so much of the modern game is figuring out how to take away shooters. And one of the easiest way to take away shooters is to not have unnecessary help. And then the other concept, just so coaches know, next defense, it's essentially run and jump in the half court.
2: It's, right? it's a run and jump yeah. from the uh, from the perimeter most of the time. From a uh, next time, next guy on the perimeter.
1: Yeah. So the one help away player is running and jumping. Yeah,
2: yeah. and then there are different. Then there are different. uh uh ways of rotations do you just uh, run and jump mean playing next and you stay or run next and go back all those all those things are uh, part of the next and it's very popular in spain and actually it's working you know when the teams are spending uh, time together and you know playing it you know when they're on the same page you, uh, it's not the easiest thing uh that you can play against. I mean, I believe that you have to prepare your team, especially if you're not playing anything similar to that. And me again, I'm me. I'm I'm using the hybrid between a pack and the next, and uh, you know, really trying to to explain them what unnecessary help is.
1: I, I think it was maybe the most important part of me teaching defensive decision making, and I get asked about that a lot is explaining to players when they didn't need the help. It's just a help culture, and we built this help culture culture on defense, but really we want to build a culture of not having to help is the ideal, right?
2: Absolutely, if there is no need to help, you can help it. Obviously, there are situations like end of possession, like uh, late clock situation, like uh, not a good passer on a low post, then you're trapped. Just to make him, uh, you know, just to interrupt what he's trying to do. Yeah, of course you can. You can uh, have uh, that type of action or defensive coverages, but you know, less less help from the from. I mean, like in a perfect world, you want to help as much as you can. You know, recover after the after the that help, not giving uh, offense some instant advantage. That's 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 it. But that's another thing that we were talking about us coaches not working on the range because range really puts a lot of pressure on the defense because that's another thing that I call essence of basketball. That's a defense wants to use as many players in as small areas. It could be opposite of that essence of offenses and it's connected to understanding the spacing, That's how I'm explaining it to my guys. I'm trying to explain to guys that, you know, essence of offensive spacing is, you know, leaving enough space for one guy to play one-on-one. So we want less players in a bigger area. Uh,
1: I mean, all these things are things that we should be thinking about as coaches, and I love it. And uh, maybe just kind of share with us some of the top three things for your defensive system. What are some of the three most important things?
2: Uh, Well, let's, let's say not top three, but um i believe they they need to understand what you expect them to do when you say press the ball so pressure amount of the pressure on the ball let's call it that way which is you know i believe it's highly individual thing i i because they need to know what they can do what they cannot do so but i believe in a pressure the ball because pressure ball is for me it's foundation everything else that you're trying to do in a in a basketball second thing on 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 it it's initiative slash unnecessary help i need I, i believe that they need to they need to understand what positioning proper positioning proper timing of the help proper initiative when to help or not it's very important and you call it making it making it of defensive how you say it? Reads or reactions? That's how. That that's the term that you are.
1: Yeah, reads or reactions. Yeah, defensive decision making. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sorry, defensive decision making. I think that's that's uh, very important. The next thing that that I uh, I really want them defensively, totally in a five guys one idea, and I I want that one guy giving me his hundred percent or as close as possible to hundred percent but in a system that all five guys are following.
1: Does it it make sense to you? Love it. Yeah, no, five guys, one idea, and then everything from there makes sense. How about on offense? What are some things you really value on offense?
2: Well, I I believe that spacing is very important. I believe spacing is very important. I believe you have to be aggressive. And I, I believe that it is very important that they should not try to do things they're not good at. I know this sounds you know, almost funny, but I believe every player should know their strengths offensively, what they can do, what they cannot do. And I don't want them to do things they cannot do, things that uh, they're not good at. I want them to use their strengths, not their weaknesses or 50-50 things. And during, during that first part of the season, while all of us are actually learning about each other i i think that communication between coach and a player is so important it's so important okay on my end i'm really trying not to make promises because i believe the promises are on the on a halfway to a lies and i'm not making promises i'm just you know trying to clarify what i want them to do and I'm simply asking them, we are together, we are trying to figure out what they can do, what they cannot do. And then I'm trying to put together guys who are working good with each other. Not necessarily that all guys are working, you know, the same way, they're they functioning the same way they're playing together. Okay. So that's why we keep everything on the practice very competitive. We keep stats, we are trying to figure out what, what lineup is the best for uh, different type of things we want to do offensively or defensively. Simple things like not, uh, you know, one group of guys will be a zone type of, uh, zone type of, uh, you know, group. Then another guy will be full court. Then another guy will be, a another group will be a pick and roll group. Another group will be, you know, a scramble type of group or switch all five group, you know, those kind of things. And I believe that that as a coach, you need to know your team and you need to, you need to figure out what players can play with each other.
1: Coach. Yeah, you can be successful approaching it from a lot of different ways. And that's Absolutely. kind of the theme of this is that uh, there are a lot of different ways and it's great to hear your insights and your opinions on some of the ways that you feel are best for you and for your teams.
2: And then some guys are really not made to be, a, they really are not interested in, a, in a being a head coaches. hmm know as you as you know it's a common knowledge not all of us are made to be leaders some of us have to be followers it's very simple you just need to figure out who you are and then to be true to yourself then you will find your peace which will help you which will help you you know in your in your new role it's it's very it's very simple but you know if if you don't find your inner peace if you keep on letting negative thoughts causing problems for your mind body and soul you will have problems man
1: definitely you will have
2: problems. no definitely. really and then you know it, it's always important who you know it's always important who you know it's always important from who you're trying to learn or as i saying you know I, I i used that before like uh, some guys are you know, small time thieves, some guys are big time thieves, you know, because you and me will watch the same game. I will see the different things that you will see and we will watch the same things. I, I, I have great respect for people who understand of ways of um, being themselves. So that's it.
1: Uh, yeah, another thing that I thought was really cool that you talked about and, and I want you to explain is what do you mean by the status quo is not expanding your knowledge?
2: I will tell you. I will tell you a, a short story as as some kind of uh, start of my uh, answer. I was in states. Uh, it was the year two thousand. I was uh, I was a lead assistant for uh, Partizan Belgrade, and uh, we sent a group of players. I was their coach. We sent a group of players, and uh, during my stay, and also in, in both places, you know, of course, you. are... Talking with, with the other coaches and, and you know, we are exchanging ideas and experiences and everything. And what was really funny to me is uh, um, finding out their reaction when I told them that, for example, uh, I called myself a thief of knowledge. And they were like, what that means? Well, I don't mind if I see something what then Smith is working, using, and I can use it. I will use it. Then I find something that I like with, uh, you know, if I find a part that I can use and my players can use, I don't have problem of, uh, let's use the term still in it. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is I believe that's the way how you're expanding your knowledge. I believe that the coaches should never, uh, you know, when they think like, well, this is it. I don't want to learn anymore. There's nothing else for me really. doesn't matter. What level or how successful you are. Because you never know what kind and type of player you will coach in the future. And if we wanna be honest, 95, 99% of us, we don't have a control, like a full control of the players we will work with. Call it selection or call it as you like. And then there is a big question how you select what you wanna play. Do you have your system? And the way you want to play, and that's how you select the players so they can fit into that system. Or you have a players, and now you have to adjust yourself as a coach and maximize their potentials and minimize their weaknesses. And that's why I believe you got to have more knowledge. More knowledge means easier approach to a new situation and more adaptability.
1: So, Coach, with all that, then maybe go through a little reflective exercise for us. And I know you've thought deeply about this, but what are some of the things that you as a young coach or you as a new coach to basketball, what are some of those things that could have sped up your development or help you be prepared better for you to be the best coach you could be?
2: Well, you can learn from everybody. And it's very important to learn what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think for a young coach, it's very important to learn what for those coaches to learn what they don't want to do, to learn how something, what kind of things they don't want to do. You understand me?
1: Yeah. And what were some of those things early on, maybe that you learned that you didn't want to do?
2: Okay. Simple, simple things like uh if I'm not hundred percent sure that I can answer everything a player can ask me about, let's say, uh, something I use in my offense or defense or the things I'm asking him to do, don't touch it. If you cannot answer a player's question, don't, don't go into that direction. For example, you ask me like what you don't want, like the types of helping in defense, okay? I'm a big, I'm a big on um, explaining my players what's unnecessary help. Okay, what initiative in defense, what's a proper initiative in defense uh, means? What means like I don't want to be aggressive just to say we were aggressive. I don't want to initiate my opponent's offense. And all those things were in part of that, uh, you know, very smart thing that he said, like, if you see something that you don't want to do, don't do it. Mm -hmm. If you see the bad way, that's it. If you see the good way, if something is working for somebody and you can use it with your own players, there's no problem. Steal it. And that's what I was doing, really. And I don't mind if somebody's stealing from me. I hope that somebody's stealing from me.
1: Why do coaches, in your opinion, have such a fear of the things they don't know, of the unknown? Even though maybe there's something that, like in the how to teach, there might be a concept that's like, hey, this this works. This is based on evidence, this works, whatever it may be. But why, in your opinion, do coaches have a fear of that?
2: Well, you know, first of all, the, the pressure of winning is uh, way bigger than in States or anywhere else.
1: Coach, yeah. just to just to add to that, they just need to look at your resume. Like, like, it's like you're not getting this, and this applies to almost all European coaches. Like, you're not getting this, oh, you know, you had a few injuries, or oh, it's not working out yet, we'll give you another year. They just move no. on
0: they're
1: not, they're, this is like you win now and you win right away or we just replace you the mid-season replacement yeah. in the euro you know in the euro cup euro league i mean it's amazing hey chris when you have time and learn about
2: what type of contracts coaches and players in europe are signing and friendly advice don't be surprised if you see the high percentage of one-year deals. Yep. So if I'm signed on a one-year deal and at the same time they want me to win and develop, would you please tell me how to do it? Because
0: those two things are simply are not in the same direction. Talk about how, because it's, it's clearly the case that a lot of North American
1: coaches romanticize the European game, the European model, they want to learn about Serbian development or Spanish development, because obviously there's been great players that have come up through these systems. But mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit. That's not the reality, right? Like you're not, it's it's not this magical thing that you're doing.
2: Well, I like to use the, I like to use this, this uh, phrase, you have to pay your fee. As you said, you know, people believe that everything here is like a Disney world or something like that actually it's not but we really work a lot we push our players a lot and uh, the 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 fact is that we are working with uh we are trying to work with competitive kids we're trying to select competitive kids okay our base of course it's way smaller than uh than for example in states but at the same time you know we're trying to build some systems and uh, methods that will help our players to develop. It is, not, it is not a secret at all that we are having young players practicing with the old guys, we call them senior teams. And I believe that that work helped them, sort of. But you know, for example, that group, they were working way more than the other guys, way more. I'm talking about hours and hours more. And I'm talking about on the court, off the court. I think that's the only way. You have to work a lot you have to know what you want to do. You have to know what you want to do, what you don't want to do. You have to be able to separate important from non-important things. And all those things are based on a knowledge. So just to put everything, you know, together in order to help, for example, those younger guys that you have, you got to have your economy of coaching. You got to expand your knowledge. You got to know in what direction you want to go. The old saying, you know, plan your work and work your plan you will have a higher efficiency percentage simple as that and again if you teach the way you think basketball will uh, be played in the future i will just give you a simple uh, you know example uh, i i uh, you know that pick and roll you can there are 11 spots on a court where you can start your pick and rolls so we're teaching you know how to attack all those 11 spots we're talking about different angles different players and different spacing connected to all that action for example and if those kids are learning that for me wherever they go after me it's going to be easier for them for like i don't like to use the uh you know this is this is our way this is the best way i just believe that you know during uh During one season, I have to find a way that will work for everybody, for a team, because what's good for you, for example, Chris, not necessarily is good for the rest of us. And I'm really promoting five guys, one idea approach, uh, meaning that we all have to know what we want to do.
1: Coach, you've given us so many things to think about and you've stimulated our thinking and I I cannot thank you enough for taking some time to be able to share the game with us. Thank you.